California And Red Clay in Georgia Well, I've been around, you know, but Not one place quite like home Good afternoon and welcome back. I'm so grateful that you're tuning back in. It's Tuesday, May 19th, 2020, and this is A Talk in the Attic. I'm your host, Kirk Ross, and I've got to start today's show with an admission. Perhaps you can already hear it in my voice. Perhaps you already suspected something was amiss because this episode was released a little bit later than normal. Because today I sit here recording this a changed man. One who, until a couple days ago, really didn't understand the true meaning of the word terror. Here, allow me to explain. It was a dreary weekend here. Steady rains poured down from infinitely gray skies. Truly ominous weather, straight out of some Shakespearean tragedy's climactic ending or something. Think back to your high school lit classes for a second. Remember that term, pathetic fallacy? The literary device that employs the story's inanimate or natural surroundings to mirror the emotions or tone of its central characters or plot? The most overused application of this pathetic fallacy device is through weather. I mean, how many movies have you seen in which brutal thunderstorms serve as the backdrop to the tragic events playing out in the foreground? And I imagine the roots of this concept lie somewhere entangled with the idea that a character's personal lens weighs heavily on its perception of its surroundings. I mean, weather is weather, right? Weather certainly doesn't offer any real-time glimpses into someone's triumphant or troublesome personal arc. But as is the case with humans and our inherent interest in assigning personal value to even the slightest of coincidences, we humans see our surroundings through our own lenses. So to someone in crisis, a rainy day may well seem like a sign that the world is out to get that person. But to the farmers just on the other side of town, that same thunderstorm was a blessing from God. Goodness gracious, it's only two minutes in and I'm already getting lost in the literary weeds. Let's get back to the horror story. It was a dreary weekend. Steady rains poured down from infinitely gray skies. The weather already had me feeling down as if the skies themselves were somehow reflecting the blah feeling inside of me. But one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? So while I was looking at the pouring rain as an excuse to lay around and accomplish nothing, someone in our neighborhood decided that the weather afforded them a perfect opportunity to go for a walk. Someone in our neighborhood might not be accurate. Something in our neighborhood decided to take a walk. Jessica and I were up going through our normal morning routine, occasionally pacing around our first floor discussing how we might attack the day. The rain continued pouring down, down. Puddles formed in the street out front and in the yard out back. With each tapping raindrop came an increasing sense of dread. This weather wasn't coincidence. Someone, something ominous was nearby and not just the storm clouds. Let's just try to stay positive despite the weather, babe, I said unconvincingly. Right, babe? Babe? Babe, or or Jessica to you, had suddenly stopped in her tracks. Her jaw dropped as her eyes widened. Babe, I asked tensely as the downpour intensified. Babe, come on, you're scaring me now. My heartbeat quickened as I followed Jessica's gaze. She aided me slightly by slowly raising up her hand, which at this point, at least in my mind, was quivering in terror as she cautiously pointed out the object of her horror. I followed the point. I peered through the fog, squinted through the rainfall. The windows had fogged up, at least in this retelling. The windows had fogged up. I grasped my hot cocoa with two hands, pulling it up to my face to cool it down with a cautious blow. As I reach out and dry the window such that I can see more clearly. 
babe, what is it? It can't be that bad. Oh my god! <laughs> my heart sank as I stepped back in fear. There on the sidewalk, no more than 50 feet from Jessica and me, clothes completely soaked in precipitation, standing totally still and oriented such that its shoulders and gaze stared directly into our living room, right through the foggy windows and straight into our souls. There stood a six-foot man-horse hybrid. <laughs> and I'm not talking about some mythological centaur or something. I'm talking about a skinny human body with a horse head. Wearing Levi's and Chuck Taylors. Oh, and did I mention he was also wearing a black and red vampire's cape? And not only was this oddly dressed monstrosity, this abomination to naturally occurring creatures, not only was he staring at us, but he had his phone out. Seemingly to take pictures or videos of us. And I'm not sure I understood real fear. I'm not sure that anyone has understood real fear. Until they've stared into the eyes of a voyeuristic horse boy during a downpour. He slowly turned and walked, or, or was it galloped on, stopping at a few more houses and repeating this terrifying routine. Look, it became clear and relatively quickly that this was just a hipster wearing a latex Bojack Horseman Halloween mask while taking a photographic stroll in the rain. But it took some time to regroup after this experience. Even still, as I sit here recording now, part of me believes that I will ultimately die at the hands of this deranged Dracula horse stalker. But the larger, more reasonable part of me believes that we simply lock gazes with a kid wearing a Halloween mask in order to meet the COVID-19 mandates which require wearing masks in public. People across the world are being asked to wear masks when they go out in public. And some people are upset by that request. Others, less so. But what's true for all of this is that this idea of wearing masks is nothing new. Well, maybe as in actual tangible facial coverings, maybe wearing that kind of mask is new. But we've all got years and years of experience of wearing masks by way of hiding our true personalities, by masking our authentic selves. So let's explore this idea a little bit today. Cool with you? All right, let's start the show. Okay, before we dive into this topic today, we all need to be honest. And not honest in the typical sense of the word, but I mean it more in a personal context. We need to be honest with ourselves. Drop the tough guy bravado. Drop the, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm me act. Because that's just a mask too. And once you've cast that one off, eliminate next the, I don't have time for this. Uh, I'm busy today voice. Because that's a mask too. Get rid of all of these masks. And I'm starting here because it's imperative that we start here. If you're like me, you could jot down a hundred examples of times in which you donned a mask in order to impress others. Anybody surviving in any sort of workplace knows well that we have to sometimes hide our full selves within the confines of our careers in order to present ourselves in the most professional and on-brand manner. And that's fine. Necessary, really. I mean, we can all recall that first sleepover when we were little kids. When we were homesick and scared about being away from home, but we couldn't let that show, right? Because our whole lives as little boys, we've been taught that potentially fearful situations were handled best through bravery and stoic resolve. 
As little girls, maybe you were taught that the boys around you would lead the way when things got scary. And I'm not saying that I agree with that. I'm just shining a light on how most of us were conditioned. And based on this conditioning, the results are in. Our society is chock full of terrified little boys masquerading around as stalwart men, just like it's filled with capable, badass women parading around as the strong women behind their men. So recalling that first time away from home, that's one thing. That's the easier thing. What's more difficult is identifying the masks that we're wearing in private. So try to let your guard down. After all, it's just us, and I can't hear you. Okay? My main man, Carl Young, man, I bet you that dude smoked a lot of weed, contributed so much to the field of psychology, not the least of which is his concept of persona. Persona, Young is quoted as saying, is, quote-unquote, a kind of mask designed on one hand to make a definite impression upon others and on the other to conceal the true nature of the individual, end quote. This is the type of mask that I'm most interested in investigating today. Because we all have our personas, don't we? And that's great. We need to be able to fill professional and social roles, so identifying and sticking to a persona is necessary in some regard. But as is the case with all things, we tend to go too far. It's our natural tendency to integrate our personas into ourselves such that we ultimately resemble the exact stereotype we would have once hated. Despite being acutely determined to avoid becoming the classic I've been in the industry a long time, automotive sales guy. Over time, I slowly became that guy. I integrated the sales guy persona into my own self-image, into my own personality. And this was a really dangerous thing for me because the sales guy persona comprises the good time Charlie, the slick-talking wheeler and dealer, and the desperate desire to be liked. And none of these things describe me really. But I wouldn't have been able to say that a couple years ago. Without realizing it, I'd become the sales guy. Yuck, right? But what happened for me is that I realized it. Suddenly, as decisions came up for work, I I thought about it from two perspectives. What would the real me do? And what would the sales guy me do? And oftentimes, the two answers were aligned. At least aligned enough to justify that I was in the right position ethically. But as these answers continued in divergent paths from one another, it became clear that I was a round peg in a square hole. Have you ever made a realization like that? That you've become the stranger to yourself? And not only a stranger, but a stranger into whom you've committed so much of your energy into making look a certain way? Once I started feeling that way, it became a slippery slope for me. Feelings of disingenuineness started seeping in all around my conscious. Put simply, I started to feel like a fraud. So I took it upon myself to burn that persona to the ground. And while Carl Jung asserts that the disintegration of my persona is necessary in order for me to become a true individual, it sure felt terrifying. Not staring into the dark lens of a voyeuristic horseman in a downpour terrifying, but terrifying nonetheless. And it's less the who am I question we've all seen in in various dramatic works and more the, wait, which parts of me are me and which parts of me are a product of this persona I developed? Sometimes I felt almost compelled to do the opposite of what my persona would have done. But I've become better now at recognizing reasonable and unreasonable times to follow this urge. We all remember when George Costanza 
exclusively stopped trusting his gut in favor of going with the opposite, which led to him becoming a genius, reaching his full maximum potential. But George is a caricature in a TV show. And while I'd become a caricature in real life, it was still real life. And how this looks in practice is less comical, less clear. Is my persona truly disintegrated? Or have I just replaced my previous one with some shiny new mask? And if the latter is true, then what exactly is this new persona? And are the decisions I'm making behind this new mask really my decisions? Or are they that of some silent archetype who wishes to project a certain image to those around me, to the listeners? I'm not sure. Holy smokes, it's getting heavy in here, right? Snap out of it. What are you trying to do, put your listeners into an existential funk? I mean, you start the show talking about a guy in a mask and you've let it devolve into some Jungian psych discussion? Can't we just talk about masks? Well, if it's gotten too heavy and it's talk about masks you crave, then just say so. I mean, as the mask himself once put it, Somebody stop me! If it's mask talk you want, then look no further. Because this past weekend while picking up takeout from a local diner. Shout out, Choo Choo Grill on Plainfield and Leonard. Jessica purchased some handmade cloth masks to wear during essential errands. You know, essential errands like uh, takeout from Choo Choo Grill. They're super cool, though, because these particular masks were made with Harry Potter fabric, and, and not the kind of cartoonish Harry Potter fabric, but more of the dark, mystical side, more artistic, complete with Harry Potter-esque emblems and symbols. Great, I thought. Now I can ditch that disgusting 3M mask I've been wearing since we sanded the floor last summer. Hooray, right? Well, not exactly. Because here's where the whole mask theme comes into focus. At the grocery store yesterday, which is the first time I'd been able to rock my Harry Potter mask in public, I was waiting in line to check out, making sure to be six feet away from all other shoppers. But then I started feeling that phenomenon in which you know someone is looking at you. You know the feeling, right? So I turned about 45 degrees to my right, revealing a guy about my age staring directly at me, smirking. I mean, absolutely cheesing, nodding and smiling at me without ever once breaking eye contact with me. So I did that whole look behind me thing to indicate that I would be shocked that this stranger was peering into me, but it must be someone behind me, but that was to no avail. For it was by design that this fella, strange as he seemed, was looking directly at me. He commanded my attention without so much as a look, so I was fixated. I started thinking, what was this guy about to say? His eyes narrowed as he began to speak. It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live, he said. What the? I frantically searched my mind for potential clues as to what exactly this guy was talking about. What is this, a quote from Rudy? Or is it from a field of dreams? The guy kept grinning and nodding, raising his eyebrows in succession as if to say, Huh? Huh? You know what I'm talking about, right? Huh? So now panic was officially setting in. No, I don't know what you're talking about. And do I seem like a guy who's dwelling on his dreams and forgetting to live? Was I forgetting to live? I giggled a little bit and finally responded, Speaking the truth, my man. Then quickly shifted my attention anywhere, straight ahead even. Please hurry up, lady in front of me. Come on, come on, come on. But the lady in front of me wasn't done yet, and the lady in front of the talkative neighbor wasn't done yet either. And I still felt that feeling that someone was looking at me, so I slowly turned back to old green shirt Greg next to me here, who was still nodding, still cheesing, still smiling, still staring at me, 
and still seeking further validation to his quote. As if, what, me saying you're speaking the truth wasn't good enough? Your mask, he said quietly. What? I asked, losing patience with the whole thing. Your mask, he said. Your mask. It's Harry Potter, isn't it? Sorry, I was just assuming you were a fan, you know. It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Dumbledore? Oh, man, I wish I could have appreciated your quote a little more. I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. I'm a Harry Potter fan, but I'm not a, quote, Dumbledore kind of Harry Potter fan. You want to try it again, I asked? This time I'll be ready and I'll react better. We laughed a little bit awkwardly, like a couple of haggards, before my lane opened up and I proceeded, putting the whole experience behind me. And at first, I chalked the whole thing up to a comical misunderstanding. But as this episode started to take shape, a lesson began to materialize. And while I still need more time with this before I can articulate exactly what is to be learned here, I think it distills down something like this. When we wear masks, we are not only governing our own personal conduct and behavior through a set of predetermined constraints that align with our own desired image. I mean, we are definitely doing that too. But we're also informing those around us just who we are. And if that image is misaligned at all with our true selves, then obviously there will be conflict. I may not have been able to quote Dumbledore, but my master implied otherwise. And this is where the real risk lies, right? Within each of us lies the ability to reflect on past versions of ourselves, climbing around our memories and hindsight and justifying our previous behaviors. But to those with whom we cross paths, whatever mask we're wearing at that particular moment presents itself as our true identity. As my friend Chris once told me, there is no such thing as a lie. Because even when we say something that is untrue, it becomes true to someone. And that reality spins off into its own existence, with its own consequences. And we wouldn't want to have to manage all these different realities now, would we? It sounds so stressful. So if we're not willing to shed our mask in order to be open and honest with ourselves, if we're not able to stop caring about what other people think of us for our own good that instead, hopefully, we'll be able to shed our mask in order to be honest with those people around us. I mean, after all, you wouldn't want to look like a liar, would you? I'm just trying to stay a human being Sitting in the sun eating ice cream Texting my friend about a bad, bad dream had to tell someone who knows me But I don't got time for this cuckoo clock And I don't want to go to your Mason Lodge There's nothing more sad than a lynching mob Full of rational men who believe in God But nothing makes sense when the way rolls Nothing makes sense when the wave come through So it could have been me or it could have been you Whatever's in me is whatever's in you My neighbor dreams big cause his house is small Says all he needs now is some capital It's a pirate world, it's a free for all Still your bright ideas and they make them dull Now everyone I see, I think I know 
the grocery store My love for them I cannot ignore Like a human voice in a quiet morgue But I don't wanna wear no dead man's suit I don't wanna wear no dead man's suit And I don't wanna wait till the moon gets blue I don't wanna wait till the moon turns blue Well it's all just a fix Just one little hit You're holding in Sitting on a plane to a Nicorette Paradise lost, haven't found it yet Will you talk me down if I get upset? Be a cool washcloth to my fevered head Cause I don't wanna dream if it won't come true I don't wanna dream if it don't come true If there's something in me, then I guess it's in you If it's somewhere in me, then I know it's in you Thanks for stopping by, y'all. Peace. Six one six and Ben Carter. Let's bring it on home. Let's bring it on home, baby. Six one six and Ben Carter.